the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We must be busy with our Heavenly Father's business. We must have a faith for the present. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. For today's Core Truth, we start our study in John chapter 11 in a message titled, Path of Fire. Now that's something that I'm sure that we all try to avoid. And what is that? Walking on the path of fire? Why? Because fire's hot and it burns. Well, if you're anything like me, I will do everything I can to stay away from the fire. I remember this one time when I was like seven years old, I was trying to start this big bonfire in our fireplace. Now, where my parents were, I have no idea. And why I was trying to start this big fire in our fireplace, I have no idea. I can't answer those things. But I do remember what happened. So I was trying, I was thinking that if you just took a match and you put it on a log, it would just go up and fire, but it wasn't going anywhere. It wasn't lighting. So then I thought, I'm going to go out to the garage and get my dad's, you know, the barbecue lighter fluid. Now, mind you, this is like mid sixties. Okay. They didn't have EPA controls on things back then. I mean, that stuff was like nuclear powered from the stuff you have today. Now you get charcoal lighter fluid. You can barely get that to go on fire, but back then, oh, it was way different. So I remember the metal can and I was just, I mean, I poured like half the can on it. And then I just, all I remember was lighting the match. And it just went, boom. I mean, I literally flew back in the air and landed like 10 feet back. All my eyebrows were burned off. Oh, look, trust me, there was a fire in that fireplace. Okay, it was, it was ginormous. It's like, so what did I feel like? I didn't feel like I was walking on the path of fire. I felt like I was flying through the path of fire. But today, I don't want to talk about walking on literal fire. I want to talk about walking through the fires of life, meaning the hardships, the difficulties that we face on a day-in and day-out basis. It's those personal trials that attack us on the inside. The things that take the wind out of our very souls. As you know, it doesn't have to be major circumstances. Even those little irritants can cause a day to go south. It's the day that we, you know, have a flat tire on the way to work. It's a day that we get a traffic ticket. It's the day when we're in a hurry and we seem to catch every red light. Why is it when we have all the time in the world, like I'm just cruising around, just taking a I'm catching every green light there is. But when I got to get across town, when I'm already leaving late, it's like every red light, I'm catching everyone. What, what, why is it like that? Call it bad luck, call it Murphy's Law, or just call it walking through the fires of life. 
And that's when days can go from, well, bad to worse. It's when no matter which way we turn, it seems like it's going uphill and against the wind. It's when we pick the shortest line and it ends up being the longest line. Oh, that happens to me all the time. Oh, that line's shorter. I'll get over there. Price check. No. All the time it happens to me. Yes, it's all those things that happen. Yes, it's when the information we have is not what we need. And the information that we want is not what we are looking for. While the information that we need is nowhere to be found. Did you follow that, by the way? Anyway, whatever. It's just life. Sometimes we can't seem to win. We can't catch a break. Yet that's when we must grasp onto the God of creation. Because when all else fails, he will never, ever fail us. Even if nothing around us is making any sense at all. Yes, it's called trusting God when all else fails. And by the way, why wait for all else to fail? Shouldn't we be seeking the Lord at the first sign of the bottom dropping out? Right when the meltdown begins, when we feel the fire getting a little hot under the collar? Well, last week in our first study in John chapter 11, we saw the beginning of a miserable situation. Mary and Martha, whom Jesus loved, they were desperate. For their brother Lazarus was extremely sick. The message they sent to Jesus was short and to the point. The one that you love is sick. Well, by the time that Jesus received this message, Lazarus had been dead for a couple days. Yet Jesus purposed his delay another couple of days. Think about that. It's been four long days after Lazarus had died. Mary and Martha were having a difficult time. If you're anything like me, Time just flies by when you're having fun, doesn't it? I mean, we go on vacation for a week, and it seems like we're packing up and leaving. Wait a minute, we just got here. No, I want to stay and body surf some more. Wait a second, I don't want to go. And it's over so quickly. Yet why is it when tragedy strikes, the days will just drag on? It seems like everything just goes into slow motion. And in the case of Mary and Martha, and they're waiting for Jesus to come. They're waiting for him to come to make it all better. But like, where is he at? It's just been forever days and they're dragging on. Where is Jesus? Yet he's a no-show. No can do. He's nowhere around. Four days goes by. Yet as we saw last week, God always has a plan. And when we think he has forgotten us, when he think that he has completely forsaken us, that is simply not true. Humanity in general is famous for doing what we want to do. I do whatever feels right in my own eyes. Yet if something blows up in our face, the first one we blame is God. We see it every day. Tragedy strikes. Some insane thing happens. Circumstances unfold. A shooting. All of these that have the least relationship with God. The most godless people out there, they'll say, well, where was God when this all happened? Yet God doesn't allow those people to get away with this, for God calls all of those people on the carpet in his word when he says in Lamentations 3.39, Why should any living mortal or any man offer complaint in view of your own sins? 
Why are you shaking your fist at me when you do everything, your entire lifestyle is in opposition to me? And then when something doesn't go according to what you think is right, you're going to raise your fist to me? He says, when you offer your complaining, your own sins, he says, why don't you examine your own ways? Probe your own ways and why don't you return to me, the Lord says. So don't give me that, God says. But getting back to John 11, it's been four days since Lazarus' death. And, and Mary and Martha are devastated by this, the death of their brother. They're just beside themselves. But with that in mind as a backdrop, we will consider three points in light of our title, The Path of Fire. Number one, the faith for present. Faith for the present. I wonder if you have faith for the present. I mean, faith for stuff that happens right now. Something blows up in your face. Do you have faith for that moment? in the present. Number two, faith for the broken. There's just people that are broken. And it's like, do we have faith in that moment of brokenness? And number three, faith for life. Well, let's look at our first point, faith for the present. As we read together, starting in John chapter 11, picking up in verse 21, it says, Martha then said to Jesus, as Jesus shows up, Lord, If you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give it to you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, well, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, even if he dies... You know, he will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes me will never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, well, yes, Lord. I have believed that you are the Christ, the son of God, even he who comes into the world. And when she said this, she went away and called Mary, her sister, saying secretly, well, the teacher is here and he is calling for you. And when she heard it, that is Mary, she got up quickly and was coming to him, Jesus. We'll stop there for a moment. Now, notice Martha quickly points out. She doesn't say hi to the Lord. Oh, hi, Lord. We've been waiting for so long for you to get here. I'm so glad that you could make it. How was your journey? No, it was just like, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Willie, what she's saying here is, why didn't you come sooner? Why weren't you here? Didn't you know how bad we needed you? Maybe there have been times in your life when you said, well, the very same thing. Lord, why didn't you come through? How come my prayers were not answered? Why didn't you, you, you reach me right where I was in my time of need? But as we saw last week, God has a plan. And sometimes we can clearly see and understand that plan. There's times when, oh, you know, I know what's going on here. I I see what the Lord's getting ready to do. But there are other times when we have absolutely no clue of his plans and purposes. In fact, we don't even think he has a plan in the first place. All we think is he's abandoned me. But notice Martha seems to have a burst of faith in verse 22 when she says, I know that whatever you ask of God, he will give it to you. He says, your brother will rise again. 
which, which Martha responds with, oh, I know that. I know he will rise again in the end. But let's not miss how Martha had all kinds of faith for the past. As she said, well, if you would have been here, Jesus, my brother would not have died. And she also had all kinds of faith for the future. As she says, I know my brother will rise in the end. So, but, but where is Martha's faith for the present? Oh, Lord, if you would have been here a couple days ago, he would not have died. So I got faith for the past. Oh, and I know he's going to rise again at the resurrection in the end. So I got faith for the future. But Martha, where's your faith for today? Where's today's faith? I wonder how many of us do the very same thing. We remember our faith from the past as we say, oh yeah, I remember when I first became a Christian. I was so excited. I told everybody about Jesus or how God delivered us and and changed our course and direction of our lives. How we used to pray and trust God for the answers. How we used to read the Bible and hang on his, his every word. Yes, we had a faith that was real. A faith that changed who we were at that time. If that would describe you, Could I just ask you for a moment, what happened to that faith? What happened to that zeal? Where did all the zealous spirit go? Have you become a little British on me here? Yes, I had to take a bit of a holiday. Just a little little bit. You know, it's time to recapture what once burned inside of us. That which changed us from the inside out. Yes, some have just a faith for the past, while others find themselves with plenty of faith for their future, as they say, yes, I believe that Jesus Christ is coming back in the rapture, and we will all be whooshed away in heaven one day. Well, I believe that also, and praise Jesus for that. But what about until he returns? We must be busy with our Heavenly Father's business. We must have a faith for the present. We must have a faith for the here and now. And that's what Martha needed. You know, I had my friend, Dennis. He's a bad influence on me. He calls me yesterday. He doesn't even say anything to me. I just pick up the phone. Hello? And all I hear is bacon. Okay, so it's like... You know, it's not, hi, how you doing? Hey, how's the life going? How's the wife? Are the grandkids okay? No, no, it's just bacon, okay, which automatically translates into yes. Okay, so it's like, yes, okay, whatever it is, yes. And so we did, we, we did the baconator thing yesterday. It's just what has to happen. But as the waitress was serving us at the end, I just, I looked at her and said, hey, I want you to know how much Jesus loves you. There's a God in heaven that loves you. And I want you to come to our church. And let me hear, here's where it is. Here's the invitation. And it's just like, you know, wow, well, well maybe I'll come. I go, well, you should come. If you hate it, don't come back. We don't chain you to the chair. Okay, but you might just like it, you know, and it's just that opportunity, always taking the opportunity to reach out. It's faith in the present. And that's what Martha needed. Well, Jesus, sensing her pain, gives her and us the most encouraging verse. One of the most encouraging verses of the entire Bible. Look back again at verse 25 and 26. It says, Jesus says, 
I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though they die, they shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And then he asks the question, do you believe this? Do you? Do you really believe it? Because that's a great question. It's a great question. Think about it. For those of us who have put our faith in Jesus, we will never die. Sure, this physical body will die one day, or it'll be worm food one day. This body will succumb to sickness. It'll succumb to some disease. Maybe uh, there'll be an accident and it will shorten our normal lifespan. Or maybe, who knows, you might live to 100 years old and the body just simply wears out. But whatever the case, when we die, whether it's sooner or later, our spirit never dies. The body dies, you who dwells inside of this body will never, ever die. Because this body, you could say, is just a tent, per se, for our spirit to live in. For that's who we really are. And those of us who have been born again, born from above, like Jesus said in John chapter 3, you must be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven. You will live forever. And that's a long time. But let me ask you today, are you really born again? Have you really been born from above? If you haven't, then your name is not in the book of life in heaven. And you will not be allowed access to heaven when the body dies. The Bible says in Revelation 20, 15, if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, they were thrown into the lake of fire and they will perish forever. Jesus said in verse 25, he who believes in me shall never die. And why is that? Because sin is what separates us from God. Jesus bore our sin on his body, the sin of all humanity on the cross. This verse that I quote many times because it's a great verse. It explains it so well. 1 Corinthians 15, 55 says, O death, talking to the very death itself, where is your victory in a believer? Oh, death, where is your sting? Because the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law because the law tells you in God's word where you're guilty. And so death, where is your sting? To the believer, there is no sting. Now, death is a sting to our family members because you died and you left them and they miss you and and they're heartbroken and all of these things. But death to the person who's a believer in Christ, oh, there is no victory. Because as soon as this body shuts down, I am immediately present in his presence, in heaven, for eternity. And because of that, not only will we live forever, we have real purpose while we're here. We have purpose in the here and now. That's why the thought in 1 Corinthians 15 goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, therefore, because of that, because death has no sting in our life, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. It's not about you. 
Oh, so many times I hear this. Oh, it drives me crazy. Oh, we have to, we have to work on ourselves because we have to love ourselves. Let me love. Let me love me. Let me love me and let me work on myself because if I'm not happy with me, how could I help anybody else? So I have to make sure that I'm all satisfied with me. It's me, love. And it's like the Bible says, wait a minute. Deny yourself. Take up the cross and follow me. And the less we love ourselves... And the more we submit to God's purpose and plan for our life, the more joy we find in our life. Because really, is there an end to loving ourselves? Is there an end really to how much I can satisfy me? Because it's like me will never be satisfied. Because I always need something else. I always need a little bit more, a little bit more. It's not about me. Yes, we must be steadfast in the walk that God has allowed us to walk on his path. No matter what path of pain we're called to endure. No matter what path of pain we have been walking down. No matter what path of pain is in our future. Don't ever forget, Christ is our sufficiency. He will always get us through. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He will always be our rock. He will always be our stronghold. He will always be our shelter and deliverer. For he never forsook Moses in the wilderness, though he was banished there for 40 years, twice. He had the first 40 years when he was tending sheep all by himself. That's what God raised him up when he was 80 years old after 40 years in the wilderness. Then he delivered God's people and ended up in the wilderness with a couple million people that were complainers and moaners and groaners. And he was there for 40 years. God never forsook him on both states. Never. God was there with him in the wilderness because he is our sufficiency. What about Daniel? Even though he was stuck and thrown into a lion's den, he found his refuge in Christ. He found his refuge in the Lord. The Lord never left him. What about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Though they were thrown into the fiery furnace. Hey, wait a second, we threw three guys in there, but the fourth one looks like the son of God. And he's walking in the fiery furnace with them. The Lord God, he will never leave us or forsake us. Again, Jesus is our sufficiency for every valley, for every desert, for every miserable circumstance and emotion that could ever happen inside of us. The devil could ever throw our way and he will. He will throw every thought in your mind. He will throw everything at you but the kitchen sink in this life. As you know, last week, in fact, it ended yesterday, was National Suicide Prevention Week. And during that week, a pastor at Harvest committed suicide. And I knew this young man, and this young man was energetic. He was always very polite to me. Uh, You know, I've got a little bit of a... Following the people out there, I grew up there. Me and my wife started going to Harvest in 1979. I was on staff as a pastor for 15 years, taught one of the main studies for almost 10 years. And so whenever I would go back there and teach and what have you, this young man was always right there, and he was very nice to me. You would have never seen this coming. But I don't care if you're a pastor or whoever you are. We have to find our sufficiency in Christ. It was the Apostle Paul 
who is just like, I am wore out of this life. I am wore out of walking on this path of pain. I have been attacked by Satan. He has been a thorn in my flesh. And I have approached the Lord three times where I have just begged the Lord on my face to deliver me of what Satan has given to me. I can't endure this anymore. I can't go on another day. And in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, Jesus says, I am sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in your weakness. So it doesn't matter who we are. Though tragic what the situation was, no believer should ever stoop to this. Ever. And here's the real tragedy. There's a wife with no husband. There's two little boys with no father. There is a mom and a dad with no son. And there is a bunch of question marks in millions of people's minds. Christ is our sufficiency. He is our sufficiency. That's all the time we have for our message today. But please join us next time as we continue our study through the Gospel of John. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA one word. That's Core Church LA to seven seven nine seven seven. And remember, there's a God in heaven who loves you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.